never go to a doctor where the office plants have died. So Mark Twain said this, be careful about reading health books because you might die of a misprint. Because our culture is all about health, right? We're really, I mean, that's a big thing. And, you know, how do you get healthy? Well, we all know diet is certainly a big part. I tell people, of course, you guys know I have a weight loss business, so I tell people, you know, food is fuel. So bottom line, what you put into your body affects your body, so diet's huge. Exercise is huge. Uh, that can help a lot with health. Clean living, don't just, don't be stupid, okay? <laughs> that helps you stay healthy. Uh, just don't be stupid. stupid. And you know, bottom line, as Christ followers, we are called, literally, the church doesn't talk about this much, but we're called as Christ followers to present these bodies as a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 1. Paul said that we're to present our physical bodies as a living sacrifice. And, and here's the thing. Do you, I think we all kind of know what a healthy person looks like, right? A healthy person. Everybody know what a healthy person looks like? Pretty much they have a healthy, what they call body mass index. You know, the World Health Organization says it's between 18.5 and 24.9. So their, their height to weight ratio is pretty good. So that defines a healthy person. We'd say a healthy person is an active person, right? They're involved in, in their active person. We'd say a, a healthy person is an alert person. You know, you, you can tell a healthy person, right? You can tell by how they look, how they act, how things like that. Now, here's a question. So we kind of know what physical health looks like. What does spiritual health look like? Hmm. What does a spiritually healthy person look like? What does a spiritually healthy person do? How does a spiritually healthy person act? And on a bigger scale... Because the church is made up of people, how does a spiritually healthy church act? What does a spiritually healthy church do? How can you look at a church, which is in, again made up of people, and say, wow, that is a spiritually healthy church because it's made up of spiritually healthy people? How do you know? Maybe, how, how do you diagnose yourself? If you were going to do a self-diagnosis, we could do, it, it's fairly easy to do a physical diagnosis. You can do BMI charts. You, you can ask yourself, you know, uh, what's my BMI? Do I, do I exercise? Am I alert? Am I a healthy person? You can kind of know what's going on in your body. Again, not to complain, but since Friday night, my stomach has been doing somersaults. It's doing somersaults right now. I don't know what's going on, but I've just got stuff going on. So if we have to have an intermission, I'll be back. But you know, so you know what's, you know, that something's not right inside. Okay, we get that. But what about spiritual health? How do you know if you're spiritually healthy? What does a spiritually healthy do? Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to start a new series today. It's in 1 Thessalonians, which is in the New Testament. And it's one of those small books in the back. So uh, 1 Thessalonians, if you want to use the Pew Bible, it's on page 649. And, um, and so it's if you hit 2 Thessalonians, just go back to the left. Uh, and so it's, it's one of those little letters back there. And honestly, I would argue, Paul is writing to a church in Thessalonica. And quite frankly, I would argue that it's a spiritually healthy church in a lot of ways. 
And so I believe that the church of Thessalonica gives us a picture of what a spiritually healthy church looks like, which again is made up of spiritually healthy people. And so the challenge for us at Warren and you as an individual is to look at what is this church of Thessalonica doing that Paul commends for being a spiritually healthy church, and is that us as a church, and more importantly, is that me as an individual, because you make up the church, right? So we're going to look at what these people did, how these people acted, and ask ourselves, okay, does that define me? And maybe what do I need to change? Am I a spiritually healthy church? Now, Paul is writing this to the people in Thessalonica. And uh, Paul came through Thessalonica on his second missionary journey. It was his second stop on, on the way to Europe. And things didn't go well. Paul came into town and he started preaching that Jesus is, he went to the synagogue, which is usually where Paul started his ministry at, and Paul went to the synagogue and he started preaching about Jesus, and a lot of people, according to the book of Acts, said a lot of men and prominent women came to Christ. And so the synagogue leaders in Thessalonica were like, this is not good. Okay, because we're losing members. This guy's Paul's coming in. He's preaching that Jesus is resurrected. And then we got a prominent ladies, you know, the, the money people are leaving. And so the Jewish synagogue leaders didn't like it. So what they did was they hired a mob. Just, you know, in the book of Acts, Luke just says there's bad characters. And they hired a bunch of bad characters to go find Paul and to get him. Now, Paul and his team were staying at a guy named Jason. They were staying at Jason's house. And so the, the mob goes to Jason's house, hoping that Paul's there. Paul is not there. But they get Jason. They drag him off to jail. Jason bonds out. And Paul, of course, hears about it, Paul and Silas. And so they're like, hey, dude, you need to get out of town. I don't know if they said dude. Probably not. But they said, hey, Paul, you need to get out of town. So Paul and his team, they get out of town by cover of darkness that night, and they're out of Thessalonica. Now, they hadn't been there very long. Paul came in. They started this church. He had been there anywhere from three weeks to two months. Not very long in Thessalonica. So he had been there just for a short time, started this church. An angry mob comes after him. He gets out of town. But he's really worried about these people. How are these people doing? And it had been a, a, quite a while since Paul had been there. And so Paul tells Timothy, his son in the faith, he says, Look, I want you to go back to Thessalonica and tell me what's going on. And so Timothy goes back to Thessalonica and meets up with the people that have become believers. And he comes back and he gives Paul this report card, so to speak. And he tells Paul, hey, this is what's going on in Thessalonica. And so Paul, in response to Timothy's report sits down and writes this letter commending the church in Thessalonica. So let's just take a look at this for just a second. And look at what he says here, uh, verse 2. He says this. He says, we recall, it looks like we had a slide thing there, but that's okay, we'll get it fixed. He, he says this. Uh, where'd it go? What happened there, Annika? I think we, all right, well, I'll read it from my Bible. It always helps. You got it, there we go. All right. He says, we always thank God for all of you Remembering you constantly in our prayers. And we recall in the presence of God the Father, your work of faith, labor of love, and endurance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul's like, hey, you know what? Timothy's given us this great report, and, and we're like, I'm really super excited. And so he writes about these three things. Now, let me ask you. Let's go back to physical health. When a person is physically healthy... One of the things that you see in a person that's physically healthy is they're active, right? 
I mean, it doesn't matter what age they are. If they're physically healthy, they're active. When you feel good, you go out and you do things, like you go out and mow your yard. When you're not physically, when you don't feel good, you don't want to go out and do things, right? Y'all been there, right? You're sick. You just want to lay around the house. You know, yeah, I know the weeds are coming up, but whatever, I'll eventually get to it. But when you feel healthy, boy, you fire up that lawnmower, even though it's 2,000 degrees outside, and you mow the yard. Healthy people are productive people. Healthy people do things. They jump in. They do things. Unhealthy people, they just they don't want to do anything. We've all been there. You just want to lay around the house. You do the bare minimum. Now, here's the thing. If, here's a, if you are a healthy person spiritually, one of the things that's going to characterize your life is action, and it's going to be characterized by what you do. You're going to be a person who does works. Now, let me just say this. Good works does not and cannot deliver you from your sins. All right? Being a good person, good works, cannot and does not deliver you from your sins. You'll never have enough good works to pay for your sin debt. But if you are a Christ follower, good works are a sign that you truly are what you say you are. In other words, if you say you're a Christ follower, but there's nothing to back it up, well, we have a question here, right? Because good works are a sign that you are a Christ follower. So let me give you a point here to think about this morning. Health requires action and awareness. Health requires action and awareness, and it requires, here's one way we see action in a healthy person. It's a person who is driven by faith. A person driven by faith. So Paul here in these verses say, we see your works of faith. Now what in the world is he talking about? What are their works of faith? Well, skip down to verse 8 and 9, and I'll show you, I believe, what he's referring to. He says this, For the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out, so that you don't need, we don't need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had from you, how you, here's the thing, here, here it is right here, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Here was their work, here's a work of faith that they were doing. They had turned from the idols. Now just, you have to think about this. This was a huge act of faith. Because these people had grown up in a culture that worshipped idols. These are mainly Gentiles here, a lot of them. And so they had grown up in a culture that worshipped idols. So it was a huge act of faith to say, you know what, we're not going to bow down to this stick of wood. We're going to worship the one true, invisible, living God. That was a huge act of faith on their part. And again, a lot of people around them would have been like, what are you doing, man? You've grown up worshiping idols. This is who we go to Zeus and, and all these gods and, and things like that. We, you, what do you mean you're worshiping this invisible God that we can't see? You need to worship Athena or you need to worship whatever, Dagon or whatever those gods that they have there. You need to do that. See, here, here's the thing. It was a huge act of faith to turn away from worshiping that thing to the one true God. Now, you, here's an act of faith for us. You say, but Jim, I didn't grow up worshiping Zeus or any sort of weird idol. But here's the thing. We all have idols. An idol is anything that captures your heart instead of God. An idol is whatever you focus on, dwell on, think about throughout your day. And, and here's the thing. Idols can be drugs, alcohol, illicit sex. It can be all sorts of things in our culture today. Sports, 
All those things can be an idol. So, an act of faith, a spiritually healthy person turns away from those things and says, I'm not going to turn to those when I'm having difficulty. I'm not going to turn to the alcohol. I'm not going to turn to the drugs. I'm not going to turn to the unhealthy relationships. I'm not going to return to the sports or the music whenever I'm having a difficult time. I'm going to turn to the one true God. And the thing that motivated them, here's the thing that has to motivate us, is faith. The thing that has to motivate us is faith. Here, here, let's just talk about physical health. Why does a person go on a diet? I hate that word, diet. Because you know what the first three letters of diet is? Die. I tell people that all the time. I don't teach a diet. I teach a lifestyle. Because what's the first four letters of lifestyle? Life. There you go. But a lot of people go on a diet. Why do they go on their diet? Because they have faith that by eating kale every day, they're going to lose weight. Even though they may not like kale, they'll eat it anyways. Now, you will lose weight eating kale, believe me, but you won't stay on it long because it's a diet. Because people can't live that way. But people go on diets, and they do things, and they have different food choices because they have faith that that's going to result in health. Spiritually. For a person to be spiritually healthy, a Christ follower, says, I'm going to turn away from these idols in my life, music, sports, drugs, unhealthy relationships. I'm going to turn away from that, and I'm going to turn to the one and true living God because I have faith that this is going to be important. This is going to change my life. That's what a spiritually healthy person does. So Paul commends him for the work of faith. So again, health, healthy, health requires action and awareness. But here's another thing. It's not only driven by faith, but it's driven by love. Go back to verse uh, 3 again. He says, we recall in the presence of our God and Father your work of faith and your labor of love. Now here's the thing. The church of Thessalonica was not in a very good area. They did not like Christ followers in that area. Remember, as I told you a minute ago, Paul and his team were ran out of town by an angry mob of bad characters. So they had to leave town under the cover of darkness one night. And they had, they had left. So this town was hostile. And, and again, people in the Roman culture were hostile to this whole idea of Christianity. You know, the Jews didn't like it, and the Gentiles didn't like it, because here's these people, these Christ followers, these, I don't know, people thought we were, but by the way, do you know Christians were originally called atheists? So they, they called us that because we only worshiped one true God. And, and so... So here you had these Christ followers, these Christians, and they're saying, hey, God, Caesar is not God. Jesus Christ is God. And so people didn't like that. The Roman authorities didn't like it. The Jewish authorities didn't like it. So, and again, Thessalonica is not happy with Christians. The Jewish authorities don't like the Christians, and the Romans didn't like the Christians. And so here's these people laboring in a town, and maybe in some ways this is like America is becoming, unfortunately laboring in a very hostile place. Now, they could have been angry. They could have retaliated in hate. But instead, Paul says, we heard about your labor driven by love. And that word love there is self-sacrificial love. It's the word agape love. In other words, a healthy church does what it does, and a healthy Christ follower does what he or she does because they are willing to self-sacrifice for others. 
they're willing to put their things on the back burner to see that person come to know Christ. They're willing to put their convenience and comfort on the back burner to help with the clothing closet so that hopefully as people come in, we get to interact and share the gospel and, and get a chance to build connections into our community. You know, healthy Christ followers are willing to go out of their way, maybe to ride in a police car and, and do a ride along on the east side or whatever. They may be willing to be uncomfortable because they really care about reaching people in the community. You know, going back to physical health. Do you know that any do you know anybody that loves going to the gym? I don't think many people like going to. Maybe young people do cuz they're trying to buff up. But when you get old like me, we don't like to go to the gym. All right? I mean, for a long time I was in martial arts and used to beat up little kids. And honestly, the first 20 minutes of my workout, I actually hated it. I was like, why am I doing this? You know, we're sitting there, ha, 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 you know, and I'm like, why am I doing this? You know, I'm getting too old for this. You know, I, I, after, but by the end of the workout, you know, you're all hot and sweaty and drenched and, you know, you've been kicked in the head three or four times. But you walk out and you think, no, that was pretty fun. I'll come back and do that again. <laughs> but originally... You know, I didn't want to be there. Now, maybe I, I, some people love to go, and the meatheads like to go to the gym. I get that. But, you know, sometimes being a healthy person means you do things you don't like to do. Sometimes you got to make decisions, you know. Like I ask my people every week, how many times have you said no when others were saying yes? It's not always easy. I get it. Same with spiritual health. Sometimes we have to do things we don't necessarily want to do, but we're driven. And Paul says, I commend you because you're driven by that self-sacrificial love. So you're willing to sacrifice for others. Again, health requires action and awareness. It's not only driven by faith. It's not only driven by love. It's also driven by hope. Again, verse 3, he says, We recall in the presence of God the Father your work of faith, labor of love, and endurance of hope in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, here again, these people here were being persecuted. I mean, you couldn't... You, again, it's hard for us as Americans to conceptualize this. There was not a first church of Thessalonica on the corner. All right, they were probably meeting in homes, you know, where nobody knew they were there. It was probably clandestine a lot of times because they were afraid of persecution. The one thing of, as we go through this letter that you'll see that these people looked forward to was the return of Jesus. They were looking forward to Jesus coming back. That's the one thing that drove them. We believe that Christ is coming back. And again, we believe that too. That's what drives us. But see, an unhealthy church, unhealthy church gives up. A healthy church doesn't. An unhealthy person gives up. A healthy person doesn't. Again, talking about physical health, I hear excuses all the time from people, you know, when they're struggling with weight loss. And I'm just big boned. I hear that one a lot. Everybody in my family has type 2 diabetes, so I guess that's why I have it too. Eating healthier food costs more. That's my favorite one. I always remind people it's cheaper than a heart attack. I don't have time. I eat out too much. I have to fix different meals for me and my family. Again, they're excuses, to be honest. They're just excuses. And again, it's tempting for us as a church to have excuses. I get it. Everybody already goes to church. 
Nobody will ever come to our church. People are too busy with other things. We live in an apathetic culture. Well, we do, but unhealthy people will give up. Healthy people do not give up. Healthy churches do not give up. Unhealthy churches give up. These people did not give up because they remembered they worshiped Jesus Christ and they endured in the hope of Jesus Christ. They believed he was coming back and so do we. So health requires action and awareness. So it's an action driven by faith. It's an action driven by hope. It's an action driven by love. But there's a second thing that health requires and that's awareness. Let me tell you what they were aware of. They were aware of who they are. Look at the next verse. He says this, Knowing your election, brothers, loved by God. Let me tell you something about physical health. I tell this to my people in all my classes. Weight loss begins in your head. It is a mental game. 99% of it's in your head. Same with spiritual health. It is a mental game. These people knew who they were. He said, knowing of your election, knowing that you were chosen by God. A healthy Christian, a healthy Christ follower, rests in the fact that they are chosen by God. Now that word election is a highly charged word, and we're not going to get into all that today. Let me just say this. You say, how do I know if I'm elect, Jim? If you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart, you're elect. Okay? We'll just leave it at that. You know you are elect. And he says, you know what? You are aware of who you are. You know that you are elect by God. You are chosen of God. You've chosen God. And you are one in his. You are a part of their community. And notice what Paul calls them. Not only do they know that they're in Christ, but they also know they're part of the community. Look at what he says. Knowing your election, brothers, and we can add sisters there, loved by God. These people knew they were a part of a community. This was a part of community of brother and sister. And let me just say something. You know, it's kind of like going back to the martial arts day. I really didn't. First 20 minutes, I hated my workout. You know, we're going to run a mile today. Ray, yippee. You know, whatever. But here's the thing. I was not going to let those little kids show me up. Or those teenagers. There was a couple adults in my class. But I was, and my son was there, you know. So I had to be, you know, show them that dad could still do something. I was not going to let them show me up. So by golly, I was going to break those boards. I was going to do those crazy kicks and all that stuff. I would not have done that on my own. Honestly, would not have done that. I mean, I really, on my own, don't relish the idea of putting my fist through two inches of wood. Okay? But when there's a group, and they're all standing around, and it's testing time, you'll get out there, you know, Grandmaster Chung. You know, ninth degree, he's there. Man, I was scared as a duck that day. I was just, uh. But you'll do things when there's a group, right? When you're a part of a community, there's that boldness. It's, I'm going to step out. I'm going to do this. We are in this together. A healthy Christian realizes I'm part of a community. I'm not here isolated. I have brothers and sisters in Christ. I know who I am. I'm aware that God has called me. I am his child and things like that. That's what a healthy person is aware of. I know who I am. Health requires action and awareness. It also requires an awareness of the Holy Spirit's power. Look at verse 5. Look at the first part. He says, For our gospel 
did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with much assurance. See, when Paul and, Paul and his team came, they, they may have only been there three weeks, maybe two months at the latest, but a church was started, and Paul's like, hey, it wasn't because we're great speakers. In fact, Paul kind of alludes to the fact that maybe he really wasn't the best orator. Probably Apollos was much better than him. It's not that I have great speaking skills or anything like that. You know, it's just we came in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was at work here, and he was moving in our midst, and he's the one that did that. And again, a healthy church, a healthy Christian knows who they are. They know that they have the Holy Spirit of God within them, and they have much assurance in what they say and what they preach. When a healthy Christian says, let, let me tell you what, there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus Christ. How do I know that? Because he died and rose again. I had somebody on Twitter uh, was involved in a science discussion and person said, well, Christianity is just another one of those fictionist religions with Buddhism and da, da, da. So I tweeted back and I said, actually, it's not because ours is built on a person. All other religions are built on a philosophical system. Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, Zoroastrianism, you can go down the line. They're all ultimately built on a system. The system is your good works need to outweigh your bad works. All of them ultimately follow that. But in Christianity, it is built on a person. If the person is shown to be a fake, to be fictional, then the religion, Christianity, falls. But... Jesus Christ is not fictional. The resurrection, all they had to do was produce the body, and they knew where it was at. All the religious leaders just had to do was bring out the body the day Peter was preaching and say, here it is, because they knew where the tomb was at. Joseph of Arathia, it was his tomb. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. They knew where the body was. All they had to do was bring it out. They didn't have a body to bring out. It's all built. Christianity is built on a person, not a system. But again, it's having that assurance in what we believe. You see again, unhealthy churches sometimes have a mild manner preaching t preacher telling a mild manner congregation to be more mild manner. That's not health. It's having that assurance that the Holy Spirit is that one that empowers the message. In fact, Paul said this in, in Corinthians. He said this, My speech and my pro proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a powerful demonstration by the Spirit, so that your faith may not be based on man's wisdom, but on God's power. There's a tale of an old English actor named McCready. And uh, an eminent preacher, a preacher, kind of a big-name preacher in the city, went and heard MacReady uh, do this play. And so he went up to MacReady afterwards and he said, I have a question for you. And so this revered English actor says, okay, I'm not really sure what I can tell you, but uh, sure, ask, what, what's your question? He says, well, he says, I need you to tell me something. He says, when you act, people come out in droves to see you act. And, and, and he says, you're appearing night after night before crowds with fiction. You're, you're just telling a story, something that's not true. And the crowds come out to you from wherever you go. And he said, here I am, a preacher, and I'm preaching the most powerful, essential, unchangeable truth, and nobody's coming out to my church. 
And that old English actor said, well, I'll tell you the answer. It's pretty quite simple. He says, the difference between you and us is this. I present my fiction as if it were truth, and you present your truth as if it were fiction. See, an unhealthy Christian is just, well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think I'm going to heaven, and maybe Jesus is maybe one of the ways. No, a healthy Christian says, look, let me tell you the truth. The truth is, it's Jesus Christ, and our faith is built on the resurrection of Christ. It's built on a person, and let me tell you why I believe that. And again, health requires action and awareness. And it's aware of the cost. So it's first of all being aware of who you are. It's being aware that you have the Holy Spirit that empowers you. And it's aware of the cost. Again, going back to physical health. Losing weight, I'll just tell you, requires choice. It requires daily choice. It requires saying no sometimes, not all the time. I have pizza and all that stuff too. But it requires saying no sometimes when other people are saying yes. It requires not eating until your buttons pop off. Okay? It requires saying no to the donuts sometimes. That's what it requires. It's tough. It requires a cost, all right? And yes, there is sometimes healthier food costs a little bit more and things like that. Sometimes people look at you weird, you know. I've had people say, you know, I don't want to eat healthy at the restaurant because my friends will think I'm weird. Well, who cares what they think? You're, they're not living in your body, right? It's your body. I mean, you're the one that has to deal with it, you know. And again, there may be that cost of not feeling after every meal. Man, I'm really, oh, that was great. You know, there may be the cost of a little pre-planning. There may be the cost of, of eating more simply sometimes in all these big fancy casseroles. There may be the cost of taking a little survival kit with you. I've had people ask, because sometimes I'll take some bread with me. You know, if I'm going to go have McDonald's or whatever, Burger King, I'm on the road and I don't feel like trashing it that day. You know, I've got a few tricks in my bag. And they'll say, you actually walk in there with uh, pieces of bread in a bag? I'm like, yeah, who cares? It's not their body, it's mine. I just throw off their bun and put on my bread. Who cares? Sometimes people look at me weird. I think it's kind of fun. But again, it all requires a cost. Getting physically healthy doesn't magically happen. It requires a cost. Being a spiritually healthy person doesn't magically happen. Let me tell you all, sitting in church on Sunday morning doesn't make you spiritually healthy. It can be a part of it, but it's not what does it. You have to put into action what you learn. You have to be aware of who you are. And Paul reminds this. Look at verse 5. You know what kind of men we were among you for your benefit, and you became imitators of us and the Lord, when, in spite of severe persecution, remember, these people were being hounded, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. Again, these people were willing to pay the cost of following Christ. And again, a spiritually healthy person is willing to pay the cost of sitting down and spending time in the Word. A spiritually healthy person is willing to bear the cost of time and prayer. A spiritually healthy person is willing to bear the cost of standing up for truth when other people may not like it. A spiritually healthy person is willing to bear the cost of following Christ. That's what it takes. Health requires action and awareness. And it also means... A healthy person is aware that other people are watching. Look at what he says. It's 
to this church. As a result of their obedience, you become an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Macedonia was kind of like their backyard. Achaia was a lot longer, further away. And who knows, they probably were already being heard of way over there in Jerusalem. Again, when pe- people are watching us, and if you're a spiritually healthy person, they're going to see a difference in your life. It's the same with our physical health. People are watching us. When they see that we, I'll just go back to weight loss, it's this thing I'm worth a lot. When people see us losing weight, at first they're skeptical. I've seen this lots of times over the years. At first they're skeptical. What are you doing? I don't know. That, blah, 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 blah. And then when they start seeing it happen, they're like, it turns from skeptical to, hey, tell me what you're doing. I mean, I, I, I um, interviewed a lady uh, last week who was in my class. She's lost 168 pounds so far. You know, so she, she lost about 105 originally with me, and then her brother came in. He, he watched her, and then he lost 110. His wife said, I'm going to do this. She lost 50. The lady's son, he lost 50 pounds. Her daughter lost 20 pounds. People were watching, seeing what you're doing. A spiritually healthy person affects other people. And people see it. Same with the church. A spiritually healthy church, the community will start to notice. Again, it's our prayer through the blessing box, through the closing closet, through, you know, the backyard uh, Bible clubs and things like that that we're trying to launch. Again, that people will say, hey, you know what? There's that church over there, and they're, they're doing some things to try to help our community. People are attracted to a spiritually healthy church. And lastly, health requires action and awareness And it requires being aware of the past, the present, and also the future. Look at the last part here. Paul says, Therefore we don't need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had from you, how you turned from idols to serve the living and true God. We talked about that earlier. And to wait for his Son from heaven, which they were looking forward to Jesus returning, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us, from the coming wrath. <clears throat> a healthy church is aware of the past. They were very aware that in their past they used to be idol worshipers. Their present, they followed the one true God. Their future, they were looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. Let me just say this for a healthy Christian, you're aware of your past, never forget where you came from. Never forget who you were before you became a follower of Jesus. Where of your present? Am I walking with Christ now? Aware of the future. I believe Christ is coming back, and I'm going to live for him. Now, he may not come back in my lifetime. I don't know. But this I do know. My future either way is in heaven. And I'm going to look forward to that. And so I want to live for him today until... He takes me home. A healthy person lives in expectation. Lives in expectation. Even though this church in Thessalonica was under intense persecution, even though there were a lot of bad characters really after these people, they lived in that hope. They were driven by their faith. They were driven by their hope. They labored out of love. They were aware of who they used to be, what they were now, where they were going. They were a healthy church. Now, here's my question for you. 
Are you, and I'm not talking physical, I'm talking spiritual, are you a picture of health? Spiritually, it's not what we're talking about here. Are you a picture of health? Are you a person of action and a person of awareness? Are you a person who's driven by your faith, by your love, and by your hope? Are you aware of who you are and whose you are? Are, 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 you, are you aware of where you came from, where you're at now, and where you're going? Are you a person who is a picture of health? Do people look at you and say, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. That is a picture of health. Let's pray. Father, health is not something that automatically happens. Spiritual health, Father, we know is not something that just happens, but it's something that we pursue, just like physical health. And I pray, Lord, this morning that first of all, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus as Savior, maybe somebody watching by Facebook who has never received Christ, never responded to his message, that right now they'll start the road to spiritual health by confessing their sins, repenting, and responding to God's love and grace. I pray that they'll ask Christ to be their Savior. For those here this morning that may be Christ followers and those watching online, I pray, Father, that they'll examine their lives. Am I living as a spiritually healthy person? Am I willing to pay the cost? Am I willing to say no to those functional idols? Am I willing to pursue Christ? Am I willing to allow the Holy Spirit to empower my life completely? And Father, there may be some here today that aren't spiritually healthy. And all of us have areas we can grow in our health. I pray that we'll never rest thinking, now oh, I've arrived, because we haven't. I pray, Lord, this morning that we'll examine our hearts. And right now I'm going to pause for a few moments. And I'm just going to ask you, Holy Spirit, to just speak to us in our minds. Maybe there's some areas in our lives that we need to repent of right now so that we can grow in our spiritual health. Father, thank you for hearing our requests. I pray that we'll leave here this morning driven by faith, hope, and love that our actions and our awareness will show, be an example to other people of spiritual health, and that we will continue to, every day, do what it takes to grow stronger and healthier spiritually in you. And Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Christ. Amen.